Did American frontiersman Davy Crockett have a face-to-face encounter with the paranormal? And then we travel to Salt Lake City to take a look at an astounding revelation. Are Mormons and Masons living underneath the city, serving their reptilian overlords? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to get started right away. First off, I want to give a shout-out to a longtime supporter of the show, longtime patron of the show, Grant Scott. He's been supporting the show since, really, the beginning. He was the one who designed the artwork you see. I call it As Above. It's basically has, like, it's a lot of symbolism in it, and it's what we have on our merchandise, and he designed that for us, and that's awesome. So, in return for that, we're going to give the keys of the carpenter copy this episode longtime supporter of the show really really appreciate it so grant let's hop in that jason jalopy we're headed out to texas and guys put on your bulletproof vest and strap up we're putting on ballistic helmets because we are going back to 1836 republic of texas bullets are all flying oh look out look out Grant, no, not you. You have to keep your head up. He's like, oh, I hate this episode. He's totally getting shot at. We're like, <laughs> and we're all totally safe. He's like, oh, my nose. We're driving through the Battle of the Alamo. Now, I'm not going to bore you with a bunch of facts about the Battle of the Alamo because I didn't look them up. But from what I remember is you had this fort in Texas and Santa Ana was this general in Mexico who was like, I want to take over Texas, or reclaim Texas, or it was ours, it was theirs to begin with, and they wanted it back. So Santa Ana is bringing his troops, and they surround the Alamo, and they're like, get out! Go away! Go away! And the people in the Alamo are like, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh! And for ten days, there is this siege, and eventually Santa Ana's like, no, I got something to do on the 11th day, let's end this. There was a 90-minute battle, and in that 90 minutes, All of the defenders of the Alamo were killed. There's like 140 of them. They're all killed. Davy Crockett being one of them. So, there's your brief and probably highly inaccurate history of Texas. But, that's not what we're talking about. And you're like, thank God. So, we can take off our ballistic armor right now. Grant, you okay? You okay? Yeah, he's okay. He's just sleeping it off. He's just slumped against the steering wheel. He's cool, bro. So, anyways, we we see a lot. We'll call in the carpenter copter to lifelight him out of here. Get him some fresh blood. We are going to walk around. He's like, no, I want to be here for this story. Waving goodbye to him. We're going to go back in time a bit. So when Davy Crockett was head, this is about Davy Crockett. If I haven't introduced that yet, I did actually in the beginning. So before Davy Crockett got to the Alamo, he was a politician. He was like a frontiersman. He was a legend. Legend says he killed a bear when he was three years old. So maybe a bear fetus maybe like a bear was just born out of a mama bear the mama bear was like oh why did i just lose 10 pounds uh and just kept on walking nutrisystem really works and and then he came along as a three-year-old and like strangled the baby with a umbilical cord that's brutal and there's a brutal image but there's that's the only way a three-year-old could kill a bear right anyways Before he got to the Alamo, he was headed out there. He'd given up his job as a politician. He thought the voters were stupid. So he's leaving the East Coast, and he's headed to Texas. And he's hanging out with his bro, and he's eating food. And then he's leaning against a tree, and he taps his axe against the tree. And then all of a sudden, 
A glow. A shape. He sees something that he describes as a big, ugly, covered in hair, large rows of broken teeth, and the height, quote, of three foundlings, unquote, which is an orphan. Which I didn't know that's how they, I didn't know that's how they gauge distances. What? You want me to go all the way to Minneapolis? That's like 5,000 orphans. So maybe it's different for height versus length. Maybe you can imagine three orphans standing on each other's heads. But anyways, he says this thing was super ugly. And it says to him, you're going to die, bro. Like, this is not going to end well. If you do not leave, if you go to that fort you're headed to, it's the Alamo, right? Right? That's the Alamo, right? And David Crockett's like, kind of looking side to side. He's like, it's a Alamo. I don't know if it's the Alamo. And Bigfoot's like, "Mm, you're going to the Alamo. Don't go there. You're going to die, dude. And as Davy Crockett starts to question this thing, like, wait, well, first off, what are you? Second, where did you come from? Third, what do you mean I'm going to die? He starts to shimmer away. The Bigfoot, not Davy Crockett. That would be a totally different story. Bigfoot disappears. He's writing this letter to this friend of his named Abe, and he goes, I saw this thing and it warned me not to go, and he blamed it on undigested food. He goes, oh, I must have eaten some beef that didn't really agree with me. Must have had a hallucination. If that was the case, everyone who went to Taco Bell ever would see paranormal activity all the time. Every episode of Ghost Hunters would start with them ordering chalupas. And they're like, oh, oh, look out, look out! The Dybbuk box, it's alive! What's interesting about this is is there's always been that assumption, we've made a lot of times on the show, that if Bigfoot's real, it's probably not a biological entity. It probably is some sort of spirit. But here we have not only Bigfoot materializing and dematerializing in front of someone, it knows the future, which throws a whole other monkey wrench, sorry, throws a whole other Bigfoot wrench into the whole thing, right? Now Bigfoot is, now Bigfoot is an oracle as well. Now, I tried really hard to find out whether or not this story was true or not, because I keep seeing this letter talk, but I, I there's no photographs in the letter. Apparently, there are people who say that the letter exists, but that he was joking, and then other people go, but no, 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 he's using, he's swearing in it. He's like saying, "By as a Christian, I swear I saw this thing. So he's taking it seriously. But it, it, the most likely thing is that the letter never existed. This is an internet rumor floating around. That's the most likely scenario. Because I couldn't find a copy of the letter. I mean, it's not like I was digging through the remains of the Alamo. But that it's not, there's no screenshots or anything like that. So so the chances that it's all made up. What's, what would be interesting about it is if it was made up, it would be made up with Bigfoot lore, right? The common perception of Bigfoot is it is a creature that walks around, has a, a it eats and it breeds and it lives and it dies. The idea of it being a mystical creature is very, very rare. It's not the common form of Bigfoot. So if this was 100% made up, why wouldn't the person make the person making it up would use typical Bigfoot lore? Just like if you're making up a UFO story, it's more likely you're going to involve gray aliens or reptilians or something like that. Then you're going to the conformers or one of the really, really obscure alien groups out there. So that kind of lends a little bit of credibility to this story that Davy Crockett actually was warned of his impending doom by a magical Bigfoot. But whatever the case, I find this an interesting piece of Bigfoot lore, if it's real, because it means that all those people across time, all those years that saw Bigfoot, 
and they like tried shooting it or they ran away or they tried it like, I don't know, catching it. Maybe they just needed to sit and listen. Maybe Bigfoot would have told each of them, warned them of an impending tragedy. Okay, Grant, go ahead and bring down that Carpenter Copter. He's, he's, he's all in traction. He's, but he's good. He's good. He's giving us a thumbs up. He can still fly the Carpenter Copter. Come down and pick us up. And first off, actually, before we go anywhere, I want to give a shout out to three listeners in particular. I'm giving a shout out to Ruiner2077. I'm giving a shout out to Yuri, uh, Pog, Pogudin, and I'm giving a shout out to Kelton Sutton. All three of these guys. Shot me emails. I, six weeks ago, I issued a Six Weeks to a Better You challenge, and each of them said that this challenge helped them. Ruiner2077 lost weight. Yuri started working on a hobby he'd spent a long time thinking about, and he sent me some of the results of that, and it looked really cool. That was really, really awesome. He said he wouldn't have done it if he didn't have that challenge. Kelton Sutton uh, gave up smoking, is living a healthier lifestyle, found out he's going to be a dad. So all of these things were awesome. As far as my six weeks to a better you, still working on it. Still working on it. I did have some struggles. I feel like I'm in a better place physically. I still am not where I want to be weight-wise. You can't give up, right? You keep going forward. So I want to give a shout-out to Ruiner2077, Yuri Pogudin, and Kelton Sutton, because that's awesome. I really enjoyed getting those emails, and I'm glad that that challenge worked for you. Wallace Waddle said in his book, The Science of Getting Rich, for every decision, there is an effective answer and an ineffective answer. And that's how you know, if you only do the effective answers, you will be successful. It's, it's, it's the science of getting rich. It's the science of success. It's a book all about visualization. I've thought about, it's in the public domain. I've thought about doing a audiobook recording of it because it's such a great book. But is this helping my end goal? And Yuri and Kelton and Ruiner, they made decisions that helped their end goal. So we just all keep going forward. But I wanted to give a shout out to those three listeners in particular. Is really That was inspiring to me. That was inspiring to me. So I really, really appreciate it. Grant, here we'll wipe that tear away from Grant's eye. He can't do it. He's in that full body cast. Take us up, up and away. We are headed to Salt Lake City. Utah. <laughs> We're flying over the flattest piece of American landscape, the state of Utah. Just salt everywhere. Everyone's super salty. They're mean all the time. <laughs> We're flying through. We're going to take a look at an article, a blog. I don't even know how you would classify this. The Rantines called Reptilian Encounters in Utah. This is from a blog. It's on Blogspot called myclosencounters.blogspot.com. It's by B. Allen Walton. Now, I'm going to be naming a bunch of people in this. This B. Allen, <laughs> you know, if you're going to be anyone, B. Allen. B. Allen is saying these people are saying these things. Don't sue me, Kay. He's saying you're saying this. I'm simply repeating it. For all I know, these people are all fictional. But anyways, we're flying over. We're going to land in the middle. Everything's one. The whole state is one giant landing pad. We're just like, uh, land there. We land, we get out. Grant is out of his cast now, just so he can walk and we don't have to push a wheelchair. And we meet B. Allen Walton. The Big B is what he's called, Big B. We go to his house, he has like this huge house, and he has this giant map, and it's a map of Salt Lake City. The, the map is as flat as the state itself. And he turns around and he goes, Welcome, my friends. I'm here to tell you about something that I've uncovered. 
So here's his thesis. Let's just jump to the thesis here. So because you'll have to be prepared going forward. He believes that underneath Salt Lake City, there's a massive system of tunnels. That's pretty par for the course, right? We hear underground earth, stuff like that. Tunnels, secret tunnels, secret civilizations. That's pretty par for the course. But underneath Salt Lake City, it's inhabited by a bunch of Masons. So again, a typical boogeyman of conspiracy theorists. Mormons. It's interesting. I mean, I guess it makes sense because it's Salt Lake City. Geographically, it makes sense. But I mean, what do they add to the conspiracy, right? I wonder if the conspiracy theory would be that there are Mormons living underground if the story happened in Budapest. Like, I think the only reason why the Mormons are the boogeyman is because he's growing up in an environment with a bunch of Mormons. But anyways, you have Mormons, you have Masons, and you have reptilians down there. So now the party's getting started, right? So anyways, that's his whole thesis. Now, we start off his blog with this. This should really prepare you for where we're headed. I imagine this is going to be a long episode. This should prepare you for where we're headed. Quote, Although I have no conscious memory, I do have what might be called intuitive memories in the form of dreams and so on, of being involved in some sort of government alien interaction scenario since a child. Unquote. So, but other than the fact that he just admitted to us that most of most of what he's experienced personally has been when the subconscious mind is in control, a.k.a. dreaming, he starts off by saying, although I have no conscious memory. The rest of this blog is stuff he remembers. The rest of the blog is literally him having to remember stories that other people told him. So don't say, hey guys, trust everything I'm about to say. Also, I can't remember stuff. I can only remember stuff when I dream it. So he believes the Mormons and the Masons have made an alliance with the Reptilians, and they formed the hybrid race known as the Melchizedeks, which is an old Judaic term for, like, high priest. Here's a tip when you're creating world building, and this goes for people who believe that this stuff is real, and you at home writing a fantasy novel. Keep it simple. Keep it totally simple. When you're reading a book, if you had to keep reading the term Melchizedeks over and over and over again, your brain... Just call them the Mel's or something. Just make them anything. You're making it up, right? You're making it up. Now, again, he's saying this is real, but if I was, I would just, I would, at that point, if I was like eavesdropping on the evil reptilian overlord, I'm like hidden at the perfect hiding spot, and I hear him go, then soon the Melchizedek will come. I'd be like, sir, hey, listen, I know we're mortal enemies, and you're probably going to eat me after this, but you might want to change the name. Just for marketing purposes, just call them the hybrids or the high ones, right? So let's look into a little bit more of this. So B. Allen has a friend, apparently, allegedly, again, do not sue me, Kay, because I'm getting this from his website. He has a friend named Kay, she sues me. She's like, that's libel. He's not my friend. Whoa, I'm sorry. Quote unquote friend named Kay Studstrup. Now, Kay is a hybrid. Kay says she's a hybrid. How do we know she's a hybrid? Because she has scales on her legs. He says when you, B. Allen said he looked at her lower legs and saw, he goes, not flaky skin, because I know you're thinking exactly what I'm thinking. She has psoriasis, right? No, 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 no. She had pink scales on her skin. It was not flaky. Was dandruff? Oh no. Oh no. Look, I'm a hybrid. I can't wear black shirts. There's flakes everywhere. I mean, scales everywhere. Anyway, she's a hybrid. But apparently only from the knee down. The program didn't really work. She's like, I could run really fast, but I have human feet and human thighs. It's my calves that are super alien. She has alien calves. And this should give you an idea of what's going on. She believes that she was abducted by aliens, according to B. Allen. 
because when she was a teenager, she had a photographic memory. But as she's gotten older, she remembers less. Now, that leads to an interesting question. Now we have two people who have memory. First off, let's look at the fact we have two people who have memory problems who are now going to be telling us stories about alien encounters. But what if... Because you've always heard about that, like people getting abducted and then they don't remember it. The aliens are messing with their mind. What if... here? This belongs to all the conspiracy theory iceberg. Alzheimer's is caused by alien abductions. That's why it doesn't affect everybody. People who have severe Alzheimer's, it's because they are abducted by aliens. I don't believe that. I'm going to go on the record. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I'm just I'm just stating that in the public. But they might, these people might, because apparently they've made a connection between poor memory and alien encounters. Anyways, so Kay Sudstrup has a problem with her memory. She used to have, as she's gotten older, she has a harder time remembering things. That is paranormal. Call the Ghostbusters. So as she gets older, she has a hard time remembering stuff. B. Allen always has a hard time remembering stuff. Kay Sudstrup also has had, close other than being abducted and having her memory messed with, she actually has seen aliens wide awake, walking down the street. More specifically, not walking down the street, walking through Nordstrom's. Remember Nordstrom's? Are they still even around? I used to date this girl who worked at Nordstrom's. That's how old I am. I don't even know if this store is still around. I remember dating a girl who worked there. She was in Nordstrom, and she saw aliens in the... And this is a Nordstrom in Salt Lake City. She's walking through the mall, and she sees aliens. And you're like, whoa, dude, she saw reptilians at the mall. No, no. Cold your horses, guys. She sees tall, lanky blondes with bull haircuts. Like the the bull hair, like the monkeys. Not the, the animal, the band. And, and that's not enough, right, though? You would be foolish to think that two people who look like Taylor Swift with matching haircuts would be aliens. Although I'm pretty sure that Taylor Swift is an alien herself. But that's not all. That's not all. We have this quote. Quote, what tipped her off was a conversation she overheard between the two of them. Also, neither of them had any blemishes whatsoever. Unquote. Two two things there, right? First off, that's all the proof you need, right? No blemishes? I'm sold. I totally believe the Mormon Mason reptilian conspiracy you're weaving. No blemishes. That's impossible. But what was the conversation they were having? What possible conversation could two lanky blondes have that make you think they were space aliens? We don't know. Maybe she doesn't remember, actually, now that I think about it. We have a lot of memory problems in this group. But that's not... You go, Jason, you're nitpicking, right? You got two people with fudgy memories. Um, No, 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 no. I haven't even gotten to the meat of the matter. The sweet, sweet reptilian meat of the matter. So what does all of this have to do? Where How does B. Allen and K. figure into any of this stuff? Well, let's take a look at what the boots on the ground are telling us. Because we have some investigators. This is all being focused at a place called Crossroads Plaza. I don't know if it's still there, but back in the 2010s, this was a mall. And there's a Crossroads Cinema there. And underneath the plaza, apparently it's like three stories or it goes down a floor under like a story on top, a floor in the middle floor underground supposedly on the lowest level there are access tunnels to underneath the city that's where the reptilians live they're not just hanging out at the food court as awesome as that would be they're not only underneath the mall they're underneath the underneath of the mall so there's a paranormal investigator a researcher named john todd again don't sue me john b allen is saying you're doing this nonsense not me john todd goes to the crossroads plaza and he's like eating some churros And then he's, like, getting his picture taken at the glamorous shots. Ka-ching! 
He's getting his ears pierced at Claire's. And when he's finally done having a fun day, he goes and he goes to the bottom floor of the mall. And he goes to where there's like a construction zone where they're still building stuff underneath the mall. And he's walking and he goes, this is where I hear, I've heard whispers of things. I've heard that this is where the reptilians are. Because there had been apparently stories going around that reptiles were kidnapping construction workers. Some of these stories seem to come from... Kay has a friend, Kay Studstrup has a friend named Iravine Davis. And Iravine Davis is, has two sons, uh, Robert and Peter. And Peter works as a security guard at the mall and has been telling people <laughs> that there's reptiles living in the mall. So that's what seems to have sparked this whole thing, was B. Allen heard fourth or fifth hand, not even, Peter didn't even never saw a reptile man, other security guard told Peter, yeah, there's reptiles living underneath the mall. And then he told his mom, and the mom told Kay, and then Kay tells B. Allen, who's exposing this to the world, who's blowing this up. Memory problems all the way up, by the way. But anyway, so, John Todd is there. He wants to know whether or not these stories are true. He sneaks into the construction site underneath the mall, and he's looking around. He sees a dark tunnel. And then he sees something move. What did he see move? If you said he saw a reptilian, you're wrong. That's not what he saw. What he saw was a construction worker who showed up and began yelling at him. Go away, dude. This isn't... What are you doing here? You're not a construction worker. Where's all your safety equipment? Now, this is supposedly proof of the cover-up. Not the fact that you're not supposed to be in a construction zone. Not the fact that OSHA laws exist and if you just have random people walking around your work site, you can get in big trouble. No, this is proof that right around the corner... There is a reptile currently reading the Book of Mormon. Just out of sight. Just out of sight. So anyways, if you ever want to put this theory to the test, just walk into a construction zone, middle of the day. If anyone runs you out, you know the truth. You know you're too close to the truth. You're probably too close to falling into a vat of wet cement. Now, he does, John Todd does say that he did get the construction worker to admit that a construction worker had recently gone missing. He'd been gone for five days. Now, that... A lunatic would think, aha, reptilians. A normal person would think meth binge. Like, generally, if someone on a construction site hasn't been seen for five days, they're probably at their girlfriend's house. They're probably still awake. And you probably don't want them to come into work and start moving heavy machinery. But that's not all, because John says, oh, no, 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 don't discount the fact that I talked to some random guy and he just happened to say a co-worker had been missing for five days. I'm not going to name who the guy was or who had gone missing or whether or not there was any police reports. No, 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 no. John Todd said he also used to work at the Dugway Military Base, which is also in Utah. And he said he met a man at a tire shop who, quote, swore that he had seen people transform into reptilian humanoids in the town of Dugway, unquote. So it's a worldwide conspiracy, guys, but Barry at Jiffy Lube knows the truth. This random construction worker underground is like... Yeah, I guess I should probably be keeping my mouth shut because these reptilians control the world, but you're some random guy, so I'm going to tell you there's some horrible conspiracy going on. And then when you go to get your tire changed, you're hanging out and you're like, hey, anything new happened? How are things going out here? Oh, you you know, they're the worldwide reptilian conspiracies hit the town of Dugway. I've seen it myself. I'm starting to think that these people involved in the story, everyone's laughing at them. Like, people in town know that they'll fall for anything reptile-related. They're walking around with little pennants that say reptiles. Because, I mean, guys, you can either have it one of two ways. It's a super-secret cult that's slowly taking over the planet, or everyone in the world knows about them. You can't really have it both ways. 
We do have Kate says about this guy she knows named Dan. He got abducted by aliens. He doesn't remember it. Again, that seems to be a common thing. I'm including this because of this phrase. This might sound kind of dark, but I just thought this was an interesting way of putting it. Here's this quote. There's this quote. So he got abducted by aliens. He can't, he has a hard time remembering stuff now. And then, quote, Dan became very suicidal afterwards. As opposed to just kind of occasionally suicidal. How are you feeling today? Yeah. I'm suicidal, but I'm not that suicidal. I'm not very suicidal. I'm not like Dan over there. But, you know, I'm just kind of like, eh, maybe suicide, maybe not. What is what? What is very suicidal? Somewhat suicidal, neutral as far as suicide goes. Anyways, he goes through. I've got to blow through the rest of these because this episode's going to be so long otherwise. B. Allen starts talking about all of these other figures that have come forward in the uh world of ufoology to expose reptilian things uh bob lazar a uh, john lear you know those are pretty big names william cooper another big name bill hamilton agent yellow fruit george knapp billy good agent yeah who i had to look this up who is agent yellow fruit i know those names i know john lear william cooper bill hamilton who's agent Yellow, first off, why are you Agent Yellow? Banana! That's what you are, right? You're a banana. You're Agent Banana. Agent, that's the only yellow fruit, or, or pear, maybe. You're, you're Agent Yellow Fruit. I, 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 that, sh- that boggles my mind. First off, it boggles my mind that, first off, it boggles my mind that this person would even exist, and I don't think he does. Two, that if you did exist, that would be your code name, Agent Yellow Fruit. Because you're a banana. You're a banana. That's the only, when you, if I said to you, name three yellow fruits, you'd be like, banana. And then you have to think, right? So anyways, this guy who's exposing the reptilian agenda, along with Bob Lazar, who was just on Joe Rogan not too long ago. Agent Yellow Fruit, never heard of the guy. He goes on to say that eventually, again, I'm just trying to bust through this stuff. Robert and Peter Davis, the Davis boys, the world famous Davis boys, they have that series of books about them, make it their way through the underground catacomb. They find a door that they believe leads to the alien complex. It was separate from the other doors. Like most, you know, most doors are normally just one door for the whole building. You open it up, you just go through a portal, you appear somewhere. This door was separate. From the other doors, there was a bunch of other doors, but this door was not connected. What what does that even mean? Anyways, they walk towards it. They see a green glow underneath the door. They get scared. They run away. Those are intrepid reptile hunters. <laughs> Don't you feel like you're in good hands? Don't you feel like this is totally taken care of? These two guys are investigating reptilians underneath Salt Lake City, but they can't open a door. They can't. They see a green glow. They can't open the door. He also tells a story about a guy that he talked to who was on a bus one day, and the guy sitting next to the, his friend on the bus says that he knows of a construction worker who was attacked by a lizard man. I'm going to give you a tip, dude. Like, just say sources I've heard. Don't tell me all that stuff, because that makes it... You have memory problems. You have memory problems, and you're admitting that you're playing a game of telephone. Your buddy was on a bus talking to somebody, a totally random person, who happened to know of a construction worker who was attacked by a lizard man. Just say sources say. It makes it more ridiculous. Makes it more ridiculous. But really, we got to end this with this. Because here we have B. Allen really revealing what the truth is. We have this great quote. Again, let me know. 
This man is in charge of exposing the truth, right? This is how we envision these people, these Fox Mulders of the world. Listen to this. Quote, Many mornings I've awakened... <laughs> Many mornings I've awakened to the faint sounds of screams and cries, as if from men, women, and children crying out from dungeons underground. Ooh, what? Oh, yep, it's them screaming sounds again. What time is it? Oh, man, I woke up really early today. It's 6 a.m. Guess those screaming children really, really didn't help me get some good REM sleep. Huh. Making some coffee. Hey, let us out. No, no. If I, if I spent one morning and I heard a human screaming from a dungeon under my house, I'm taking care of business, right? Many mornings I've awakened to the faint sounds of screams and cries as if from... Okay, it's happening all the time. The best part of waking up. Anyways, he goes on. He said, given the chance, supposing there were a large enough militia force to carry it out... This is where we get into this just bizarre thought process of this guy. Given the chance, supposing there were a large enough militia force to carry it out, I would gladly take part in an... Operation Dungeon Storm type of invasion of the underworld. So he basically, he's admitting he won't do anything without a thousand dudes backing him up. And he has like this delusion of grandeur, which is fine. A lot of people have delusion of grandeur. But let's say that Operation Dungeon Storm is taking place. You're tired of waking up every morning to hearing the cries of men, women, and children in the dungeon underneath your house. And you see this guy. You see B. Allen getting suited up. Here's what he's bringing to the fight. Here's, tell me this wouldn't be the most dangerous person to be. This would be more dangerous than being next to the reptilians. I would gladly take part in an Operation Dungeon Storm type of invasion of the underworld. Flamethrower in one hand and a 9mm semi-automatic in the other. I'm not an expert of weapons, but I'm pretty sure a flamethrower is a two-handed weapon. I don't think I would trust someone who's trying to aim down a sight of a gun and also going, <laughs> just waving the flames back and forth. We're in a tunnel. We're in a dungeon. We're not in the middle of a field. We're in a dungeon. We're in rooms built. They're small. They're built to keep people prisoner. And there's women and children everywhere, right? You're just... That's way more dangerous. I bet you there will be an Operation Dungeon Storm. They're not even calling this dude. Flamethrower in one hand and a 9mm in another. That's ridiculous. And then he goes on to say, he goes on to say, maybe one day the conditions will be ripe for such a response to the reptilian threat. But unfortunately, most people seem to be more interested in talk than action. That's you, dude! That's you! I don't wake up, I'm not hearing screaming people every morning when I wake up. That's you! You wrote a blog about it, dude! You, if you know, okay, let me back up here. I am not, I am not asking B. Allen or anyone else to start walking around underground with a flamethrower. But, if you, you can't be like, but most people only prefer to talk and write a blog. You can't, that's, come on, bro. If I woke up and I heard people screaming underneath me, right? At first off, I'd be shocked. But then I would do something about it. I want to be like, well, I'd do something about it if there's only 1,000 other of me. But I guess since there's not, they're all talk. He go. He finishes it like this. I can't help but feel it might take a very rude awakening to motivate. The rude awakening is people screaming underneath your house, bro. You have already gotten the rude. It literally wakes you up each morning. That's a literal rude awakening. 
I can't help but feel it might take a very rude awakening to motivate the masses to respond to the reptilian threat above, within, and below. Until then, I suppose that the cries and screams of the lost will continue. Unquote. Dude, that's on you, dude. Because I'm not hearing it. And no one else is either. I am mad. I'm almost, I almost think that he probably writes his blog out. He hits publish, then he goes, what was I doing? Like his memory's that bad. He doesn't even remember. So every morning when he wakes up, he's like, what? Where's all that screaming coming from? I should investigate this. And he goes on this long journey. He's looking down dark pits. He says hi to Robert and Peter. And they're like, hey. And then he's like, I got to write a blog. There's, for all I know, there's a thousand versions of this blog. He keeps forgetting his password. He has to keep starting new accounts. Now, to top it all off, if you didn't think that was insane enough, we got to top this off with the comments, right? Usually, the comments are always twice as more insane as the post. It's almost all... I, I, I think that should be a law. I think that, that should be Carpenter's Law. It's an internet law that the comment section will always be twice as insane as the original article they're commenting on. There is a quote from a... Here's a uh, post from someone under the name Carl Melanson. I go to the bookstore a lot, and I've uncovered something about Jews <laughs> I think would interest you. Oh, so here we go. We're talking about Mormons and reptilians and Crossroads Plaza, but nope. Carl Melanson. I go to the bookstore a lot and I've uncovered something about Jews that I think would interest you. If you look on the back of certain books, you'll see that they have triangles and or the three letters E-A-N near the UPC. If you look it up on the internet, you'll find that those letters stand for European Article Numbering. However, so that so he admits that's what it means, right? But... What does this have to do with reptilians, Jason? Hold your horses, or hold your reptilian horses. If you look it up on the internet, you'll find these letters stand for European article numbering. However, I suspected that something more sinister was going on. Of course you did. So I thought I would see if there was something about these books that would connect them in a different way. I soon made the connection. The symbol and or E-A-N is only on the back of books written or translated by reptilian Jews. Is that a thing? I've never heard that before. I've never come across that before. A reptilian Jew. That is... Reptilians living underground, making power plays with, with masons, that's, that's old hat. And you can understand in Salt Lake City, where you have a huge Mormon population, the Church of Latter-day Saints very interconnected with the government. Yeah, of course, that's going to be part of that mythology. Reptilian Jews? And I, I, I saw that and I thought, is it a reptilian who converted to Judaism? Like, Is it a reptilian alien who came down from another star, came from Alpha Centauri, came here, mazel tov got a yarmulke, is now a practicing Jew? Or are reptilians genetically Jewish? Like, I, I don't, that's one of the most, I'm, I'm speech, I don't know what that means. A Jewish person is either someone who practices the Jewish religion, or someone who's ethnically Jewish, or both. What in the world is a reptilian Jew? I, I honestly don't understand what that means. I've heard conspiracies about, like, obviously Jewish NWO, Jewish Illuminati, but I've never heard that term before, a reptilian Jew. I didn't think, as I was reading this article, I was having a good old belly laugh, and I was like, this is hilarious. And then I got to that, and I'm puzzled. 100% puzzled. 
But maybe that's what they want, right? Maybe that is the real conspiracy. Maybe that's the real conspiracy. Carl Melanson says, you can tell who the reptilian Jews are because when you're on a bus, it's no shock that this guy takes public transportation, right? He says that when you're on the bus, you'll look at the back of people and you go, are there any reptilians here? And then they'll turn. You don't say that out loud. If you say that out loud, people are definitely going to turn. But you think it. And you stare at the back of their head as hard as you can. And you think it, you think it, you think it. And eventually when they turn around, you just look at them and you nod your head and you go, yep, that was a reptilian, all right. Makes sense, because this bus is headed to the local synagogue. So basically, if you stare at people long enough and they turn around, that means they're reptilian. The idea is, is that they can read your mind. So now we have telepathic reptilian Jews. I'm halfway tempted to do more research on how many people believe that not reptilians are aligned with Jews, but that reptilian reptilians are now practicing the Jewish faith. I, I'm so tempted to find out if that is actually a real conspiracy or that's just one commenter saying that. Because when I was reading this, I was like, Masons and Mormons and reptilians, basic stuff. But that that's just that's just absolutely bizarre to think that Somewhere out in the galaxy right now, there's a reptilian reading the Torah, and, and like they're having debates. Actually, now that I think about it, that would honestly, if we're ever going to get invaded by aliens, I hope they're reptilian Jews, because they won't fight on the Sabbath. Like, that would be basically, we only got to hold out for four more days. Saturday's coming up soon. Everything's getting blown up. And then Saturday comes, and they can't press buttons. They can't use electricity. Aliens are just kind of sitting there. That would be kind of dope, and we would just be like, you're under arrest, and they're like, eh. So if you live in Salt Lake City, and I actually know one or two of my listeners do, if you live in Salt Lake City, you walk through the mall, Crossroads Plaza one day, you might meet a man who knows of a story about a guy's wife whose cousin used to work there, and he took a bus once and met a reptilian Jew. But if you heard that story, would you remember it? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.